So at this time, I'll announce our first speaker. Uh, first message will be brought to us by Mr. Doyle Carter. It is entitled, Christianity, A Life of Challenges. Uh, greetings, everyone. I think we got more people this week. Maybe not many more, but we got more, and that's better than nothing. Because what I've heard from some of the speakers when the church was closed, they only had like five people to speak to or less. And that's got to be a challenge to a speaker to try to look at the audience and imagine there's an audience and there's no one out there and have to focus. And also greetings to those online as well who have joined us. The title of this message is Christianity, A Life of Challenges. And... This kind of comes from, the ideas came from actually a YouTube video, but also can, and got transformed a little bit. But also, it, it reminisced some memories of something of a long time ago. I remember, a, a, I remember the time I got baptized about a half a century ago. That's a joke, but it feels, <laughs> it's a long time ago. And I know that when Tom Justice was talking to me about it, he read me the proper scriptures and said that when you get baptized and try to follow the correct method of life, you know, through the Bible, what Jesus says, the items you do, that you, it will not be, it will not be roses out there. You will have your issues because Satan's your enemy. He's going to go against it. He's going to do everything that he can to derail it. I remember a week later, I just happened to be griping about my college stuff because I guess I, something was, oh, that was just for the feast. That's right. I was mentioning it. I didn't go to that feast, but I had mentioned feast to one of my lecturers who, not, who was anti-religious. And I happened to mention to Mr. Noble, and we, I wasn't expected to go to the feast. I just said, I should go to the feast, but I can't this time. And he says, oh, poppycock, religion's religion. You need to be at school. And I told him about it, and he said, Mr. Noble, who has already, to give you a description of who he is, well, that's right, you don't know who he is. He was a 70-some-odd-year-old man who mowed the lawn for the church at, for Tom Justice. He has been baptized five to six years back. In his case, he was part of a car accident, which had his neck, I think it was this way. So something about the accident caused this to happen. He lost his wife a few years back, and he had other little issues. And he was always cheerful. I mean, I remember a trip, just as a side story. He went on a trip with someone to Arizona, and the air conditioning broke. He never said a word. Everybody else is griping how hot it is. He's just as quiet as can be about it. And he said he didn't gripe a word. You know, then he told the story about ice and vehicles, which will be another story another day. But anyway, he told me, he said, he didn't, I can't quote, I never can quote exact perfect, but the basic outline of what he told me when I was all gripey about my profession, professor is, Doyle, or young man, or whatever he said, you know, life is a challenge in itself, you know that, or a risk, or you, you know, you have problems to go through, and that's just the way it is, and you just got to go with it, get the flow. And now that you're going to be baptized, it's probably not going to get any easier. But he also said to keep my eyes on the prize, which at 19, I didn't know what the full prize was. I, was, I knew it's kingdom, but I didn't know all the details. I just went, ah, okay, fine. And it's more difficult today than it was when I, than those many years ago without revealing age when I was in college. It's more difficult now. A lot of society has changed in ways that I could not have imagined at the age of 19 in any way. Or the idea of certain, okay, there's kids here. I'll just say certain changes of like on marriage and others just never crossed our brains. It's like, ah, you know, never thought of, 
or legalizing certain things was just totally outside, like, nah, never will be. And we, it's almost like the society is determined to break every commandment of God, no matter what. It seems to be that way. And you even have just little challenges like the pandemic. You know, my joke with the idea that I can't find eggs. You know, I like eating eggs every morning because that's, you know, cereal just doesn't sit with me. And my dad said that's true with him when he worked. And I couldn't find, I could barely find eggs in the store. You can't even find wet wipes anymore and things like that. So there's, there's little challenges in life. But like any, any, anything in life, if you set a goal whether it's, like you say, let's say in my case I want to be an engineer. I obviously failed at it, but it doesn't matter. I can give you the process. I just wasn't cut out to be an engineer. But Dad did tell me what it would be like. First, you'd have to go to college for, I think, four years or something like that, pass exams, pay for that college, which never, 19, didn't even occur to me what pay for was. Now I think, my gosh, the books were almost $100 a piece, two to 300 just to get to the class. Then you'd have to secure a job, and then balance your life with God, because sometimes in engineering, he, when he heard I kept the Sabbath, he said, you would have to work Saturday sometimes, because, you know, projects require. But never got to that point. As the disclaimers I go through with this, I wanted to just say that, because uh, I was talking to one of our members, and I was sitting here saying something about risk and life, that, you know, you're not to take unnecessary risk either. Like, I wouldn't bungee jump because I'd probably crack, you know, break myself in half because my back at the age of whatever wouldn't handle it anymore. I don't know if I could handle it if I was 23. I'd probably have back problems. I can already see I'm slowing down just a hair. And, and in the, the scripture I was going to use on this, I didn't give it to Brian, but just write it down. It's Proverbs 22, 3. It's just a, it was just a passing one just to kind of make a point here that you don't take unnecessary risk either. You avoid certain risk if you can. In, in Proverbs 23, 3, it says a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. So he doesn't just run out after evil. But the simple passes on it and are perished. Now, just to say when I go through this, I'm not implying that you go out and do unnecessary risk in life. I didn't mean it that way. So. I found a... Uh, I actually found a quote that I thought was interesting to this message. It's by Henry Warren Beecher, I think it is, Beecher, B-E-E-C-H-E-R. Troubles are often the tools by which God fashions us for better things. I thought that was a really good quote, because I was thinking of a story I'm reading, and then we'll get to the scriptures in just a second, but I just really, I, I keep you up with my reading. It's by uh, Edna, I never hear that name, I have to actually see it, Edna Booker. She was news, news is her, is my job. So this is gonna be a more of a physical example. She was a young woman, I think she was in her 20s or before that, and she wanted to, she always was fascinated by China. And then she was, in, in 1924, the internet, internet, the independent news service offered her to go to Shanghai, China to be the reporter. Human interest was the idea at first. Didn't work that way, but human interest. She was a little nervous, she didn't know Chinese, she barely knew much about it except for what she read in books. She learned a lot when she got there, but when she knew only but what she read in books. So she made it. She said, well, okay, I did want to go to China. and thought it would be a temporary thing, so she went. She ran into a lot of trials. She wasn't just a human interest. One time, when she was going to go interview a warlord, it turned out bandits attacked the train. Luckily, her servant was smart enough to put her under a a tarp to keep her down while they were shooting at the train because she was like paralyzed and says, ma'am, ma'am, you need to get down and got her down for safety. 
And all these experiences just help her, help her grow and realize what's going on. And she didn't run from the safety because I found out reading it that she got married. She got married. Then when she got married, she was able to go to California. She had a, a son named Johnny. And she just came back on her own power. So she wasn't afraid of challenges after that. I mean, after a few of her life experiences, she was pretty brave. And we know that life is full of risk and full of ideas. And the other point I want to make is that in this, just as a quick throw in before we get to the scriptures, is that sometimes we make risks because of the fact that it overrides our personal needs. Example, I'll go back to the book. She was going in the last ones I've last parts I'm reading now and I haven't finished it but anyway she's on a train going to I think it's uh, east, eastern China to try to go interview somebody the train is a they stop at a place and they've got an air raid going on well this missionary while the air raid was going on wasn't hiding behind a bush or into the rice paddies he was out there physically helping people go down to save their lives he took his Life is secondary compared to trying to save those individuals' lives. And he thought that, she thought that was a real testimony that this 70-year-old man just went, nope, nope, I'm not running. I'm going to help everybody else hide and save as many as I can. Now, Jesus tells us the following. We see in John 14, 27. John 14, verse 27, Passover, we read it. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He tells us that he, we got the peace of Christ. And the world will not give us peace, which we already are fully aware of. I don't even want to get into it. It's a waste of time in the message because we can just look at the local news every day and we're not at peace in any shape, form, or size. And in John 16, 33, he, he says again, These things I speak to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. In fact, we kind of get it, we're going to get a foreshadow of that from our ministers pretty soon. With the first, because we know that Jesus was first fruits. It wasn't part of the message, but he's the first fruits. And we have Passover coming, or Pentecost coming around. Pentecost, and that he's an example of that. Now, sometimes we suffer our own trials. Just as a disclaimer there, we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 through 14. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 through 14. Because just, just to say that sometimes we have our own trials and we bring them on ourselves. And I do that quite well at work sometimes when I get a little irritable. <laughs> but luckily, I have a good boss that kind of just shrugs off my older attitude sometimes. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also, also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God is there. Whatever we go through, it, he said, whether it's man-made or just yourself, like I said, the one day that I got a little irritable and almost said something I shouldn't have. You know, God helps us out in, our, help us out in all ways. I know as a, just a general personal example, this week I was telling Robert that the, 
we had a time limit yesterday on what I was doing, and I was getting frustrated. And we won't go into what I do when I get frustrated. It's a habit, so I'll have to break. But it doesn't matter. I finally just kneeled down where I was at and just said, God, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, these things aren't coming out of the shell. I have to have this done by a certain time. And after that, even though they were a little difficult, suddenly everything started to work much smoother. And I was even surprised my boss. Like, you've got this much done in so little time. I almost want to tell her, you give God the credit. I wasn't doing this one. <laughs> I was like, yeah. But it's true. I mean, we have our little health issues. We have our financial issues. But like I said, sometimes our trials are beyond, are more than meets the eye. Sometimes we suffer for being a Christian and following Christ's teachings. Sometimes we suffer in that way as well. You know, we'll obey what God says, and then the society or a job or something kind of tells you, like I told you, a professor. I've had fights with professors in college, not fights. I don't fight anyone. I don't like, don't like violence. But arguments or disputes of whether I can keep holy days. You know, it happens. And they just feel like they, I don't need to do it. Sometimes we suffer for what we do. And as a general story there is I went to the feast one time, no books. I refused to study colleges. Feast. Now, looking back, that was kind of foolish, but whatever. But I went, and they said, if you can't pass a test when you get back, you failed. I just took the risk. I went to the feast. And I, I made a, I think it was a 98, and I didn't look at the material at all. I just went in and took the test. I said, okay. The, the overconfidence of mine went, well, okay, I'll just do it. It would be what it would be, and I passed. He was like, uh, he thought I'd fail. This was a math class I was having a hard time with anyway. In 1 Peter 4, 12 through 15, and I'll slow down on this one. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 15. Hey, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery, fiery trials which is to try you, as though some strange thing happens to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. We are to take joy in our suffering. Sometimes that's not as easy. Verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. In verse 15, skip on down. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. So he says to rejoice to when we suffer for, suffer for Christ. I don't know where my example is in my notes, if I even got it in there. But I was going to go ahead and go into Acts, Acts 4. We see, the, we see Peter and John doing their thing. They're practicing, you know, they're, they're preaching. And all of a sudden the Sanhedrin gets a little upset over their preaching and puts them in jail and then tells them to stop. By decree, you will stop. And they said, we can't. If God orders us to preach, we preach. That's the way it is. And they had to deal with that. And they suffered for Christ because they knew they had to preach. And the authorities were telling them not to. And, they just, and we know the rest of the story, how they got out of prison and all that. God came to their defense, just like we read earlier, where he won't let temptation be on. He actually came to their defense.
And this shouldn't surprise us if we go through some trials, because in Matthew, Jesus, even in his own words, makes the comment in Matthew 5, 10 through 12, when he's on the Sermon on the Mount, when he talks to, talks to us in his sermon, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for, for my name, or for my sake, and for his name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We have a great reward. He says to endure it in his, way, in his own way. Blessed are you because you endure, you know, for this, for all these situations. Because we have a great reward ahead of us. We have a great reward from God ahead of us. And, if we, and I'm going to read something from Paul later on that kind of circles that a little bit better, but not right now. I want to kind of jump back just a little bit. He said, and for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We have a chapter in the Bible, which I meant to read last night, and I just fell asleep. At least I'm honest. You know, I got tired after this week, but I know what it's talking about. It's in Hebrews 11. And it talks about all these individuals who endured various trials, various trials. I mean, you've got like Daniel, who had, like, I know Steve had a message on Daniel, on a series on Daniel. And he was talking about Daniel. And in one case, Daniel wasn't even involved in it. I mean, they, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he goes off to a soothsayers and goes, tell me the dream. And they go, uh, king, this is not possible. <laughs> this is beyond, I'll execute you all. And Daniel seemed to be involved, and when a guard war told him about it, God pulled him out of that. Or, the three, or Daniel's three friends, who just absolutely refused to worship uh, an image. He said, not so, we'd rather die first before we do that. And God came to their defense in a miraculous fashion. But what was their motivation? You know, what would bring people to this point where they were willing to die if that's what it took? Well, Paul answers that in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. He answers it in another place, but this is very concise. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. Talking about all these individuals who were either thrown in dungeons or what had to flee for their lives. It says, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For these, those, those, who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they have called to mind that country from which they came out of, they, they would have had an opportunity to return. And in verse 16, but now they desired a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be their, called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They had this vision. Even then they had this vision, so they can endure this. They, they had a vision for something beyond this physical existence. A lot of people don't, which is, I think, one reason people get scared. I mean, and I can relate. If you didn't have any hope outside your 
existence, I can see you being scared. It's like you don't want to die early. You don't want to, you want safety. You want everything. You want what is needed. And what gave the apostles their strength? Besides, of course, seeing Jesus Christ in the flesh and seeing all the miracles. But what gave them, what gave them their strength and what they tell us their strength was? And why they can endure what they did? He said in, John, in James... I'm going to kind of divide this one up. James, first we'll go two through four. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So trials help us work in patience. And that's helped with me because I wasn't a very patient person at the age of 19. I'm sure now if I was to go to my professors, as I said the story earlier, I would approach them in a totally different manner now at the age of 39 and holding. <laughs> 39 and holding. I would approach them at a, a much different than I did when I was younger. Younger, I was a little, a little more abrasive. I was a little more abrasive. I just kind of said what I said. Now I would have actually approached that professor in a more logical manner, with a little more knowledge. As I said, when I was baptized, when Mr. Noble said, keep your eyes on the, on the prize. I'm like, kingdom of God. I didn't think of all the other stuff that was with it. And as years have gone, you learn. Verse 12. There is more to it. Verse 12 in James, James verse 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. We have given life. It's beyond this life. Now we go to Paul. And now Paul writes a lot of reasons. I just picked one in particular. But he went through a lot. We know that he also must have had some kind of prime goal in his life. I mean, how many people would deal with being stoned and left for dead and then walk back into a city? How many would deal with being shipwrecked? How many would deal with, you know, being ran out of a city and just come back hoping, hoping they won't do anything to them? I mean, he really endured a lot. He even used something that was very really interesting as an analogy. A Roman governor was, I think it was governor or something like that, was going to actually sit here and whip him because he was doing something. I forgot what exact. I have to reread all that. They were going to beat him. And he goes, whoa, 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 slow down. Is it lawful to, be, to, uh, be, or to uh, do this to a Roman citizen? He used the citizenship very much in that one to protect himself. And God used that, that act to get him to Rome. Because he always wanted to go to Rome from what I gathered from various studies. And how, what was some of his examples of how he could take care to handle those problems? They also said he had eyesight problems, which I can understand. If I take my glasses off, I couldn't see y'all if I wanted to. Y'all be blurs. And I can't, I just I don't know what his eyesight issue would have been if he had one. In Romans 8, in Romans 8, verse 18 through 19, this is, this is where I said we'd wrap it up a little bit. It says, for I, can, I consider the suffering of the present time. Okay, let me start over again. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Note what he said. I said I'd wrap it up a little bit. He said, I don't mind repeating it, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed to us and to us. That's a little off. Doesn't matter. You got the point. He considered whatever he went through, good, bad, and different, was not. What, he, what God promised him was way beyond anything he was worried about. God had set a promise for him that was awesome. I mean, like I say, he dealt with a lot of stuff. And, and even goes one step further. You go to verse 28 and 20, see, 28. I gave 29 to him. It was my fault. I was calling out some of the verses earlier. And we know, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah, I wasn't going to get into this, but I'm going to get into it anyway. There's a character, some of y'all may not know if you're older. I don't know if you would or not. Adam Savage? Adam, Adam Savage was, uh, is a person from Mythbusters. He's not the guy with the uh, warus mustache, but the other, the other guy who's real goofy. When he was young, he got hired by... I, I, company, I'd mispronounce it. It's Electrolyte or something like that. He was hired, so he got so much work. As he said in his video about failure, he said he could get his G-jobs, and he would say you know, a G-job is either government job or gravy jobs, because he wasn't making much money and they made more money off these jobs, so they're gravy jobs. Well, one, one I think it was Macy's, I think he said it was Macy's or something like that, wanted him to do a wanted him to go ahead and have it where a baseball goes over a, you know, a net, and he said, it sounded easy. And he, when he went to a shop, eh, he could make it hit one out of 100, could go over. The other 1% he wasn't too worried about. He actually goes to Macy's and then realized that it's shorter. The angles were off. And he, went, he stayed there all night trying to fix that. And it was like, oh my. And then he said, OK, I'll cut my wages. OK, I'll do two thirds. We'll make it work. And then eventually he just failed because when they they can't the, the manager came in he just you know he just came in looked at him impressive, and then he said the bomb the bomb the bombing words right afterwards of now get rid of it, and he was like totally devastated, and this was before he got into MythBusters or did anything else and he took that failure and he realized first I should have asked for help because <coughs> he was doing it all by himself, and second he shouldn't have been so arrogant about the job he should have did research on what place look like but he learned he learned and it's like it says all things work together after he did that he learned how to do certain procedures certain things and now you've got Adam Savage who's uh, touring the country speaking about Mythbusters and all that stuff but he didn't start as a, a, a like almost like a master builder he actually started as a kind of an amateur and as time went he, now he can almost build anything he wants uh, within reason Sometimes some of the stuff on Mythbusters didn't always work as well as it should have. Now, Peter weighs on this matter as well. In Peter, it says, 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, this is, In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, 
if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuine, well, no, I can't say the word. Now, the genuine, genu genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold and that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we're tested. And through these tests, we grow. These challenges, we grow. As I said, I don't react to Ani the same. That's my boss. I shouldn't give her name. But I don't react to Ani the same way as I did when I first worked there. Because she, she does the mother hen thing, and it drives us nuts. And I finally learned how to not irritate her as well as let it irritate me. Patience. I've learned. And she's learned to work with me, ironically. And even if my, my original, even with my original analogy with, with uh, Edna, it took me a minute to get that. And again, I don't hear that name. Edna? That's an old name. She even, in her, she, through her experiences, became a much better reporter over time. I mean, first she was kind of doing human interest, and then when she got her first few assignments, she started learning how to, well, for example, Chinese culture is different. She almost did a big fupa, I guess is what they call it, in her first meeting, because she was going to do shaking of hands or something, and she, somebody, her, person went, no, no, bow, bow. And she was had to learn a lot of the customs. She learned how to do things better. And her world perspective also changed too, which was good. True with our faith, as we experience many difficulties in life, we also grow in maturity, spiritual maturity. And with this maturity, we can comfort others as well as, as well as in their trials as well. By walking, okay, by going through our challenges, what I'm trying to say, I can't read my own writing of figures, but we can learn to actually help each other. We see in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, Paul tells the Corinthians this. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations. So he comforts us that we may be able to comfort those who are in any tribulation with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Matt made a comment a couple of weeks ago, because I was, when we started meeting church, I wasn't sure how this would work. And he said, it is very good we're together. It is. You know how lonely it is for someone? I mean, maybe you have, you weren't as lonely, but I live by myself. You know how lonely it is when you go through things and you can't come to church and say, hey, Robert, I had this problem going on. And, I, and he, you know, and you get to hear yourself and then he gets to express his and we get to comfort each other to realize it's not that bad. You just, but without having the fellowship, you don't have that opportunity. And I agree with Matt. We need to meet every week to encourage one another, as one place it says in the Bible, in Hebrews, I don't know where, I didn't even use this scripture. But we're here to encourage each other when there's things going on. Or sometimes to celebrate when there's babies. You know, when a new child comes in or somebody gets a job, you know. And it, it, that's what we're here. So as Christ, God comforts us, we can comfort, comfort one another in our trials. Now, the scripture I was going into. In, John, in James 1, 17 through 19. Every gift, every good gift... I'll wait for them. 
In James 1, 17 through 19, perfect. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variance or shadow of, of turning. Of his own will he bring us forth by the word, the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation or creatures. I think creations was one another translation. We're like the first fruits. And because we go through the stuff we go through, we can help other people. It helps us, builds our character, so we're not wet behind the ears like I was, you know, like you say, once we, like we are in life at times when we're young. In conclusion, we live in a very fearful time. And with many of the events going on around us, such as the pandemic, which I, I'm, my boss is surprised how brave I am. I am actually almost unafraid of it, which, you know, think I'm, I told Dale one day, I'm almost within the age of having to worry about it, because they said, 65, you only got so many, you've only got 20 years before you get there. I'm not going to tell you my age in other words. <laughs> no, 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 let that one go. But he said, you know, only a couple more years and you'll be past, past that. And I said, ouch, you're right. I just don't see myself that old. But... You know, with the pandemic and, you know, not finding eggs. And I don't know what the deal with the toilet paper was when that all came about. God, you couldn't find toilet paper if your life depended on it. I called it, I called it gold. Actually, I called it platinum. I called eggs gold because you could, almost couldn't find eggs either. But all, and, and then we're going to have economic issues, unfortunately, repercussions. And then the media doesn't exactly tell us what really goes on. We're not going into that. Sabbath, we'll let it go at that. Can't always trust it. And with other world events. But... As we have seen from the many scriptures we have, and, and of course through Jesus Christ and his words in verse, or John 14 and 16, we're not promised a world of absolute peace. And as long as man rules it, we're not going to be in a world of absolute peace. I wish we could, but it's not going to be that way. But unlike the rest, but us, unlike the rest of the world, God has set us a prime goal, the kingdom of God, which offers us eternal life and the ability under the leadership of Jesus Christ to help correct the many issues in this dying world that we are going through. Because we see, and it's not a scripture you have to go to, but everybody knows it from the feast and others. In Revelation 20, verse 4, it says, But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And just to pause, even though it's not here, I can't wait for the kingdom. Because then we'll have the correct answers how to solve all these problems. We just don't have them. And he would know them if we even have the problems. Who knows? You know, we do it right and then I have it. In this physical, in this physical work life, we, will have, we have to face difficult challenges and troubles. But we can trust in God to help us and keep us. And we can focus on that main goal when we go through trials and troubles. That it will give us hope, give us strength. That, that God does have promises beyond this life if we do what he asks. And I'm just going to end with the quote. I thought it was a really good quote by Henry W. Preacher. It says, Troubles are often the tools by which God fashions us for better things. Everybody have an awesome Sabbath.